Krishna, welcome to our Sunday Bhagavatam class. It is August 11th, 2019. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So we'll begin today with the last verse of the second chapter of the first canto. So this verse is Bhavyatiesha Satvena Lokan Vai Loka Bhavana Lilavataranurato Deva Tiryam Naradishu. This means that um Asha, which means he, Krishna. Uh, bhavyati. Krishna performs an action which is expressed here by the word bhavyati. So the, San the Sanskrit lovers will like this and those who don't like the grammar will suffer perhaps or uh, turn off the class. But anyway, bhavyati comes from the verb to be. And there's a form in Sanskrit, which I've explained before, which is called the causative. It means to cause the action to take place. For example, you could say, if you say uh, pashyati, one sees, but if you say darshyati, you cause someone else to see, or you make someone else see something, or karyati, you make someone else do something, you cause something to be done. So here we have the word bhavyati, which means literally to cause something to exist. This is from the verb to be. So bhavyati, asha, that he literally Lokan, the worlds, he causes, he makes the worlds exist. He makes the worlds exist. And Krishna, and he does this satvena by goodness. Of course, the word satvena is also very interesting here. Satva means goodness and satvena means by goodness or through goodness. So literally the, the first statement is bhavyatiesha satvena lokan. Uh, by goodness, he makes the worlds exist. However, satwa also it comes from the other verb that means to be. In Sanskrit, there are two verbs, which are, I mean, there are lots of verbs, but two of them are really the main ones that just mean to be or to exist. One of them is the verb bhu, like in bhavati or bhavyati or bhuta, a being, like we say living beings of bhutas. And so the other one is sat, being, existence, like for example, uh, asti, he is or she is. So the word satvena literally means by the quality of existence. Sat, being, like satsanga. So satvena, here existence means, in Sanskrit, I guess you could say it's a very optimistic language. It's a very positive language. It sees the ultimate nature of things because the word bhavyati, which means he makes exist or he causes something to exist, also means to cause something to exist well. In other words, to make it flourish. Uh, or the prophet says here maintains. Uh, it means to, yeah, to, to make something exist well or in a happy state. And similarly, sat literally means being or existence, but it also means spiritual being. So the idea here is that real existence, real existence is happy, real existence 
is spiritual. That's what it really means to be. To really be, to really exist, means to exist spiritually. So therefore, these two words are used together, bhavi at the age of satwain. If you know Sanskrit, there's uh, it's pretty amazing the way it's composed here. But anyway, bhavi at the age of satwain lokan. He makes the worlds exist, and he makes the worlds flourish by his own goodness, or by using his energy of goodness. Vai, indeed, loka bhavana, because he is the maintainer of the world. He is the cause of the worlds. He is the one who brings everything good, good to the worlds and even allows them or causes them to exist. So bhaviyati and bhavana are obviously sort of emphatically using two forms of the same word. Bhaviyati esha satvena lokan vai loka bhavana. And how does he do this? Of course, Krishna does it through goodness, but what particular form of Krishna does this? Lilavatar anurato. The form of Krishna who is always taking pleasure in his lila avataras, his descent, literally, avatara, ava means downward, tara crossing. When the Lord crosses down into the material world, that is called avatara. There are different kinds of avataras. Krishna comes for different reasons, with different things to do. And so when he comes to display his pastimes, it's called lila avatara. Lila avatar. But Krishna is such a such a good person that even when Krishna comes to display his Leela, it brings unlimited benefit to everyone else. When we just go out to have a good time, we don't always bring great benefit to other people. You know, we just want to like, okay, someone let's say goes to a certain restaurant or they want to take a walk in a beautiful place or they listen to music or they do this or they do that. I won't mention the nasty things, but people do many things to be happy. And when, they, when they're enjoying doing things for their own pleasure, often it doesn't really bring serious benefit to other people, certainly not to, to all the world. But Krishna, even when he's enjoying his own pastimes as an avatar, he's actually benefiting the entire universe. It's the, it's the very nature of Krishna. Krishna is just by nature so good that even when he's just enjoying his pastimes, he is blessing and benefiting all the worlds. So, Lila Avatar Anurato Deva Tiryandaradishu and Krishna uh, takes on these different avatars, these different incarnations, in all the different species of life. Here it says Deva among the gods, uh, like Vamana, Tiryang, uh, animals like Lord Varaha, and uh, Nara among human beings like Lord Ramchandra, Adishu, etc. So Krishna is uh, infinitely creative. And so when he comes down, he actually appears in all the different forms of life, which is very creative and imaginative. Uh, to benefit all the worlds. So that's the first uh, verse here. Anyway, so that's the end of chapter two. Then we go to chapter three of the first canto, and it begins, Sutu Vacha, again, Sutta said, Jagrahi Purusham Rupa, Bhagavan, the Lord, Bhagavan, Jagrahi took on or accepted the Purusha form. Purusham means of the Purusha. Jagrahe, he took, he accepted the Purusham Rupa, 
the forms of the Purusha, which of course here is referring to the forms of Vishnu to create the universe. Bhagavan Mahadadi B with the Mahatattva, etc. So the Mahatattva, which literally means the great the ontological category, you could say, or the great category of existence. It means all the material nature. It's like, for example, if you, uh, let's say you're gonna build a house, you have to gather all these materials. You need wood, you probably need nails or bricks, cement and glass and you know tiles. So the Mahatattva just means just all the building materials to make a universe. You know, imagine if you like bought this little kit, like build it yourself universe, and then it has all the materials in it. So that's the Mahatattva. So Bhagavan Mahadadi B Sambhutam Shodashakalam Adalokasya. And so because Krishna in the beginning, Adal means in the beginning, uh, wanted to create the worlds, therefore uh, all these elements appeared. Sambhutam, that means they came into being or they appeared. Uh, Prabhupada translates Sambhutam, the uh, Let's see if I can get this on my screen here. He just says creation. So yeah, the creation, the appearance of all these elements showed the shakalam, the 16 primary principles. So I'll read Prabhupada's translation. Sutta said, at the beginning of the creation, the Lord first expanded himself in the universal form of the Purusha incarnation and manifested all the ingredients for material creation. Thus at first, there was creation of the 16 principles of material action this was for the purpose of creating the material universes. So, uh, so read Prabhupada's purport for that actually. The Bhagavad Gita states that the personality of Godhead Sri Krishna maintains these, these material universes by extending his plenary expansion. So this Purusha form is the confirmation of the same principle. The original personality of Godhead, Vasudeva, Lord Krishna, famous as the son of King Vasudeva or King Nanda, is full with all opulences, all potencies, all fame, beauty, knowledge, and renunciation. Part of his opulence is manifested as impersonal Brahman and part as Paramatma. This Purusha feature of the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, is the original Paramatma manifestation of the Lord, the super soul. There are three Purusha features, and then Prabhupada explains that the Mahavishnu, Karvadakshai Vishnu, and Shirodakshai Vishnu, and so on. So the next verse is Yasyambasi Shayanasya, Yoganidram Bitanvataha, Nabi Hridam Bujadasi Brahma Vishwa Sajampati. So uh, when Krishna was lying, Shayanasya, lying down in the water, uh, and Prabhupada translates it very poetically here, uh, ministering, he says in the purport, uh, word for word, ministering his yoga nidra. Yoga nidra means, of course, mystic slumber, mystic sleep. As Krishna was literally vitanvata, expanding it, the nabi hrada, uh, from the navel lake. Mahavishnu is very big, I mean, really big, because... If you think a universe is big, imagine Mahavishnu, great Vishnu has a form so big that millions and billions of universes just come really big. That's as big as it gets actually. 
So Nabi Rad, so you can imagine a form that big of the Lord, his navel is, I mean, it's bigger than the universe. It's the world's biggest lake. So it's called here a navel lake, Navi, Nabi Radha Ambuja, from the water of that navel lake, Asi, there became Brahma, Lord Brahma, Vishwasajangpati, the Lord of cosmic creators. So I'd like to talk about this a bit because if you take a, an astronomy class at a modern university, you're going to get a somewhat <coughs> different picture of the universe. Of course, this is uh, outside the universe. This is not within a particular universe. That's going to be Garbo Dakshai Vishnu and Kshiro Dakshai Vishnu. But um, Science, of course, so-called material science doesn't know about this. It cannot know about it because these things can only be known by devotion, by devotion to the creator. So we live in a world in which we know certain things are true and they're important, and yet most of the world can't imagine that these things are actually true. So you could say this is esoteric knowledge. Uh, actually, I'll give you a definition at no extra cost to you. The word esoteric. Esoteric in the dictionary means intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with a specialized knowledge or interest. So we have a lot of esoteric knowledge. For those of you who are Vaishnavas, we have a lot of esoteric knowledge. We have knowledge that is in, that either it's, you could say it's intended for a small number of people, because Krishna says that only my devotee can understand this, and that uh, yeah, that that after many births, bahunam janmanam ante, only one who surrenders to Krishna can understand this. So. It's intended for people who surrender to Krishna, and that's not a huge number of people. So we, we do, we have a specialized knowledge or interest, which is Krishna consciousness. And um, so if, if you're in that situation, if you're the kind of person that loves esoteric things, or some people just like to know what nobody else knows, then you'll think that's really cool. It's really cool that you know what hardly anyone else knows. Uh, if you are not that kind of person, if you don't have that kind of psychology where you really enjoy having secrets and you really enjoy knowing what most people don't know, if that's not your nature, if you're just, then it could not, not, I wouldn't say trouble you, but it could be not perhaps the most comfortable thing in the world to be committed to things that most of the world just can't even imagine these things are true. And so, um, for example, I'm seeing that I, I'm on an academic conference in ISKCON and um, we're discussing things like the design of the universe and the kind of like the idiotic view of some scientists that the almost infinite complexity, infinite engineering sophistication 
of the world, even of cells and bodies, somehow happened by itself, which I consider to be, it's so stupid in my view, my honest view, to say that, because actually there's been a revolution in microbiology that um, they used to think that, you know, we just have these bodies and there's different parts of the bodies or different cells. And, and scientists thought sometimes there's a mutation and if a mutation helps a creature to survive, then that creature will survive and breed and maybe pass on that new genetic trait. But since the 1950s, Crick and Watson, I believe these two scientists, they discovered what is now called DNA. And basically what they discovered is that um, the universe is not merely mechanical, it's digital. And I mean, what DNA really is, it's code, it's computer code. And there have been these huge advances in the last 60 years or more in microbiology where uh, we're discovering that every cell, it's something like a completely digitized Amazon distribution center or something. I mean, I mean, there, there's incredible machinery and engines and delivery systems, and there's all kinds of computer code inside the cell. That's just a cell. I mean, if you want to talk about the complexity of, of actual organs or bodies, it, it becomes just insanely sophisticated, the engineering. So that as one scientist put it, the chance of, uh, the chances of these things happening by themselves are something like your chance of finding a single cell in 70 galaxies. I mean, you know how big a galaxy is? I mean, galaxies are ridiculously huge and contain millions and millions of planets and stars and this and that. And, and the number of cells in a galaxy is like, I mean, God knows what the number is. And 70 galaxies, so one in 70 galaxies, that's a chance of things like this happening by themselves. And yet scientists think, well, that some, some of them say, well, that's our best understanding. There's actually an intellectual revolt going on now. More and more scientists are rejecting this absurdity that's just, it's just religious fanaticism. It's crazy. And so, um, how did I get into all that? So if you consider all of this, I think to understand why Krishna, I mean, why would Krishna come as Mahavishnu? Why would he, or Garbhodakshai Vishnu, a navel lake? Actually the navel lake, sorry, the navel lake is actually Garbhodakshai Vishnu. So why would Krishna do things this way? I mean, why not just build it? I mean, think about it when you build a house. When you build a house, you're really doing two things. You're, first of all, there's engineering. You don't want the house to collapse. You don't want the walls to fall over. You don't want the roof to leak and so on. And so you've got to build it right. You don't want the electricity to suddenly burn the house down. And so there is a practical aspect of building a house which is just engineering. It's not about art. It's not about how it looks. You're not really interested about how the wiring looks inside the wall. You just want the lights to go on and so on. But there is the aesthetic, the artistic side. You want the house to look good, uh, which means you probably don't want to hire a modern architect. 
because then you'll probably get a very ugly house. Actually, there are architects that don't build ugly houses. You just have to make that clear to them that you don't want an ugly house. So, but let's say someone wants to build a beautiful house or you decorate the house. So there, there are these two things. There's just pure function, engineering, it works. And then there's the art. And so when God makes the universe, Krishna, these two dimensions are there. There is the practical side of just engineering. And this world, our bodies are like infinitely engineered. And by the way, the complexity, the complexity of how living organisms work, our knowledge of the complexity is expanding all the time. So it's like every day, scientists are realizing, oh my God, it's much more complicated than we thought. It's much more sophisticated and that's expanding daily. We still haven't come near the end of it of understanding the, just like the super impossibly sophisticated engineering of living bodies. So there's that, but then there's the artistic side. I mean, Krishna, if you look at the universe, it's a universe of art. It's not just a universe of function. There's function, but then there's art. So if you look at snowflakes, uh, you could say water condenses at a certain temperature. And when that happens at high altitudes, then the water condenses, falls in the form of snow, which is really made up of snowflakes. Okay, that's function. But when you actually look at snowflakes, you find something else, which is art. You find beauty. If you look at sand grains, I mean, there are so many sand grains on earth. I mean, who knows what the number is? It's like some crazy number. But so the Bhagavatam always gives this example, like even if someone could count all the grains of sand or the, all the particles of earth. So the number is, and yet if you look at sand grains, just go to Google or your favorite search engine. I don't want to promote Google since in some ways are evil. So if you just go to your favorite search engine and look and, and type in sand grains, you'll find it's, incredible they're like jewels they're different colors different incredible shapes it's 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 like jewels it's like a treasure sand grains and, and there's so many things like that i mean you could throw in galaxies anything everywhere you look in the universe you find two things function and art so what does that tell you about the creator first of all it tells you that the creator has in uh, an inconceivable mastery of engineering a function, but also it tells you the universe was created by a supreme artist. So something like Vishnu coming, it's like, why would Krishna do that? That's not functionally required. Krishna, you know, whatever Krishna is called Satyakama, which means whatever he wishes becomes true. Krishna could just decide, I want a universe and there's a universe. So why does he do all this other stuff like the three Vishnus? That's the art part of it. That's Krishna performing his pastimes. It's Krishna just creating beautiful things. A causal ocean. I mean, think of that, an ocean of causality. Amazing concept. So, so that's how we have to understand these things. Krishna's a person. It's function, but also art. It's not just one or the other. It's not dysfunctional art, and it's not sort of dry mechanical function. It's both art and function. And so when Krishna does a particular thing, you have to ask a simple question, is that Krishna the engineer or is that Krishna the artist? And of course it's both because Krishna 
when he artistically assumes these forms of Vishnu, he's also functionally creating the universes. So that, in my humble opinion, is how we should understand this, among other ways. So, yes, Yava, I'll do one more verse. Yes, Yava, Yava, Sangstanai, Kalpita, Loka, Vistara, Tadvai, Bhagavato, Rupam, Bishudam, Satam, Orjitam. So there is a loka vistara, an expansion of the universe, the extension of the worlds, which is kalpita, imagined. This is not a real form of the Krishna, uh, uh, a real form of Krishna. It's, it's an imaginary form, kalpita, uh, with uh, all of the... Uh, states of being, all the circumstances of the universe are on his limbs. In other words, the universal form. Yes, yavayava sangstanai. So, and this is imagine, tadvai bhagavato rupam vishudam, whereas the Lord's real form is not material, it is the uh, powerful, excellent expansion of spiritual, purified goodness, not material goodness. So, uh, sangstana in Sanskrit uh, means standing together, uh, abiding. It can mean a dwelling place, a habitation. So, what this verse is saying is that uh, on Krishna's limbs, on this, on this universal form, on his limbs, on his bodily parts, all the abodes of the universe are imagined. And we'll get that, we're the different planetary systems. All the abodes of the world, all the, all the habitations of the universe are imagined on the limbs, on the bodily parts of the Lord. And this is an extension of the universe, the universal form, whereas the Lord's real form is actually purified goodness. But in any case, so we have this interesting, so let's talk about that in general terms. And I'll end with this topic. This goes back to the Rig Veda. Uh, there are 10 books in the Rig Veda, and the 10th book uh, gives the first description of the universal form where all the universe is mapped onto this cosmic body of God so that uh, you know all the different planetary systems, all the different beings, they are somehow situated on, mapped onto this cosmic form of the Lord. And it's kalpito, it's imagined. Prabhupada explains elsewhere in the Bhagavatam, this is a meditation. Prabhupada says here, the conception of the Virat Rupa or Vishva Rupa, the universal form of the Supreme Absolute Truth is especially meant for the neophyte who can hardly think of the transcendental form of the personality of Godhead. To him, a form means something of this material world and therefore, an opposite conception of the absolute is necessary, or is opposite to the spiritual body, in the beginning to concentrate the mind on the power extension of the Lord. Because people who aren't very bright or aren't very spiritual, they respect power, like they watch, you know, fights, mixed martial arts or something, or they respect someone that can beat up someone else. We have all these, you know, Marvel comics and DC comics, movies now, the Avengers and Superman and so that's what people in general respect. Like someone can beat up someone else or someone is really powerful. They have all, you know, it's like you could say 
you know, mutants and everything, people with extraordinary powers, people love this stuff. And so Krishna's got something for everyone. So, so Krishna manifests this cosmic form that holds up the entire universe. And so it's, it's, it's yes, more powerful than a, uh, what do they call those things? Transformer. Those cars that are really like these powerful beings from other worlds. So Krishna's bigger and stronger than a transformer or a mutant. So as stated above, the Lord extends his potency in the form of the Mahatattva, which includes all material ingredients. The extension of power by the Lord and the Lord himself personally are one in one sense, but at the same time, the Mahatattva is different from the Lord. Therefore, the Alert from calendar. Sorry. It's my computer misbehaving. Therefore, the potency of the Lord and the Lord are simultaneously different, different and non-different. The conception of the Rupa, especially for the impersonalist, is thus non-different from the eternal form of the Lord. This eternal form of the Lord exists prior to the creation of the Mahatattva, and it is stressed here that the eternal form of the Lord is par excellence spiritual or transcendental to the modes of material nature. So it's very simple. I mean, here we are down in this world, and most people are very attached to matter, to the material world. Krishna wants to communicate with us. Krishna wants to get through to us. If he just appears in a purely spiritual form, no one's going to see it, and people won't understand it. So, okay, Krishna speaks to us in our own language. You think this world is the real world. You admire powerful things in this physical world. Okay, I'm going to give you this form to med meditate on which is the supremely powerful object in this world. In fact, the whole world rests on this object, this form. So the very same transcendental form of the Lord is manifested by his internal potency in the formation of his multifarious manifestations of incarnations is always of the same transcendental quality without any touch of the Mahatattva. So there are these two kinds of forms. Anyway, um, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Bruce Almighty. But anyway, it's not that easy being God. I mean, it's easy for Krishna because he just knows how to do it. But to deal with all the conditions, I mean, look at, I mean, look at ourselves. I mean, probably few people could even live with us. I mean, that that's why there's so much divorce nowadays, because who can live with anyone else nowadays? You know, people are, <laughs> it's just the way the world is. I mean, as you know, you know, when people first get married, often it's like they're in ecstasy or you know, love endorphins, and it's, they just, they're on, you know, they're, they're, they feel like they've gone to heaven, and then after a while, it's, they realize they went somewhere else, so, but of course, you know, serious, responsible people, they, um, they hang in there, and they're, they're good husbands, and good wives, and good fathers, and mothers, but, but the reason there's so much divorce nowadays, the reason there's so much fighting everywhere, you know, out in the material world, in, you know, this, there's all these internet warriors, Prabhupada once said, lamb at home, lion on the chase. In other words, we should be humble at home, you know, don't fight with your family, but when you go out into the world, be a lion, spread this movement. Of course, we have lots of people who are uh, lions at home. They are sort of the internet lions who, uh, you know, online just typing something. They're very bold and they're great philosophers and they can criticize anyone. So that's their battlefield, you know, the internet where no one can fight back. 
And, but when, when in terms of the real battle, the battle to go out and actually spread the Hare Krishna movement, they become lambs. You know, they haven't got time. They just, they're not into it. So what Prabhupada really wanted was that we try to be, try to go out heroically and, and spread this movement. So, um, anyway, I don't even know how I forgot how I got into that. So this is Krishna. This is Krishna with his various forms. This is a great spiritual science. Krishna is a person. And therefore, just like someone else can't tell you what flavor of ice cream you like or, you know, whether you like to live in mountains or in a forest. I mean, those are personal things. And so in the same way, Krishna is the supreme person. And just like, for example, he has a lot of yellow clothes in his wardrobe. It's a great combination. Oh, Krishna is like a sky blue. He's like this, like a dark rain cloud, and then he wears in yellow clothes. It's it's a great combination, great color combination. But of course, Krishna can wear infinite things, as we know. He comes in different incarnations, in different colors, and wears different clothes. And Krishna has in Prabhupada varieties of mother of enjoyment. Krishna has infinite varieties, so he does all these things. He has infinite creativity, infinite imagination, and. And he wants to share his own happiness with us. So he's inviting us. And he, in the process of bhakti yoga, really, it's just the process of becoming civilized. Because if someone is giving you everything and you never give back, that's uncivilized. It's just being a jerk. And so to take up bhakti yoga really just means to be a lady or a gentleman. Krishna's giving me everything. I should reciprocate with him. And, and also, whatever you find beautiful, it, it's coming from Krishna. There's no good reason not to serve Krishna because everything you like in the world comes from Krishna. So, you know, maybe certain aspects of Krishna, other people appreciate more, but everything in the world, everything in your life that you appreciate actually comes from Krishna. Whether it's an ice cream flavor or another person, or natural beauty, or your intellectual world, anything in your artistic world, everything in the world that you appreciate comes from Krishna. And that's what he says at the end of the 10th uh, chapter, anything in the world that is extraordinary, beautiful, or urjitam, or, or excellent in some way, in every case, which literally in Sanskrit means in each and every case, Understand. It's just a spark of my splendor as it's translated. So, so there's no good reason not to surrender to Krishna. There are only bad reasons because I'm a puffed up fool or because I'm envious or this or that. There are only bad reasons not to surrender to Krishna. There's no good reason. So when we look at all this, we can just see Krishna's really trying. I mean, he's making effort. Universal form, Mahavishnu. He's just throwing all kinds of stuff out there so that every, you know, it's like a big, big, big story, you know, like a big story. You know, everyone can find something they like. And so Krishna is just putting all this stuff out there so, you, so different people can connect in different ways and relate to him in different ways. And ultimately, of course, he's Krishna Vrindavan. So... Uh, I'm going to stop there. Uh, 
like to thank everyone